0: Welcome everybody to the Digger Dad's Pure Shy Podcast. This one is episode number two. How are you doing, lad? Not so bad, no? How are you getting on? Yeah, I'm doing good, no? I'm doing very good. Woke up this morning, feeling energized. Got up out of bed and said, Ryan, you can do it today, lad. And I thought, fuck it, let's have another go at it. The first episode, no, I thought was a little bit shy. Really was a little bit shy. It lived up to its fucking name. But we are only starting. That's it, we're only starting. Like, it, it will get better. It will get better. And as people interact with it and give us stuff to talk about and we can give them shout outs and we can get some people on, it's going to get better, lad. hundred percent. Today is the first of March. It is. And looking outside now, the weather didn't look much different now to yesterday, even though it's the first day of autumn. It's still very blue skies and it looked like it's going to be a very hot day. It's the first of spring in Ireland. Shout-out to our Irish fans. We love you all. Shout out to the fans, right? Uh, the 1st of March is also, also a very important day for Galway Hurlers. Because it is the birthday of the very famous and very talented Galway superstar, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber is from Canada? No. Are you thinking of Joe Canning? Sorry, that's who it was thinking of. It is Justin Bieber's birthday today, so shout out to Justin Bieber. Happy birthday, lad. Right. Need to do your research properly lad because this is what's going to fuck us here now. I'm sorry. The 1st of March is a significant day in Irish history because on this day in 1981 the one and only Bobby Sands began his starvation, began his hunger strike to fight against the English imprisonment he was under. He believed that the IRA didn't need to be treated like criminals. They shouldn't have to wear the uniforms. They shouldn't have to do the prisoner work. But the English, being the English at the time, they fought him on this. And after 66 days, on the 5th of May, Bobby Sands died due to starvation. Bobby Sands is a legend of Ireland. Bobby Sands will forever be remembered by the Irish people. Not only in Ireland, but all over the world. Because he stood up and he tried, tried, and sacrificed himself to do that. So, good on you, Bobby. We love you, lad. boxing the other day. Uh, was that Jake Paul and Tommy Fury? Yeah, I did, I got to watch it on a TikTok live stream. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I did as well lad. A very good one, I will say. What did you make of the fight now? Uh, the fight was actually sponsored by Huggies. The Nappies? Yep. How do you know that? Well if you notice Jake Paul, he spent the entire fucking fight trying to hug Tommy Fury. Yeah, he was doing an awful lot of hanging on, wasn't he? Ah, oh, shocking. Even the referee said something to him on one stage. Yeah, I think he said, um, if it's a fight you want, let's get it on, like. No, I'm pretty sure I got the dialogue here now. This is what he said. Listen, you, you prick. Did you come here to fight this man? Cause if you did, fucking start swinging now. Cause I'm not having this shite. You'll fuck off back on the bus, you will. You whore. Start fighting now. That's it. So you would have liked to eat football and boxing then growing up, would you? I did. I did the boxing there for a while, and I did football right up until under-16s, and then I just kind of fell out with it, really, you know. I didn't like the politics of it, the favoritism. and It was all about who you knew, who you knew. And the team I played for was like four of the local parishes combined into one. And every age year, one of the parishes was the dominant parish. That parish is where the training was. That parish is where the trainers were from. And it was likely all of the lads from that parish were picked before everyone else, regardless of talent, regardless. And I didn't really like that. And you could also not do anything else on the side. So like if they found out you were doing soccer, maybe of a Wednesday or a Saturday or something, they'd fucking grill you for it. You wouldn't be allowed to play the next match no matter who you were, how good you were. I saw them sit out some of the best lads in fucking big matches just to prove a point that football was more important than soccer. And myself, I was wanting to do other stuff. You know, on the side, I was doing drama. You know, musicals and all that kind of stuff. And once they found out I was doing that, managers themselves had taken the piss out of me. Like, and I just kind of developed a dislike for it. I never told anyone I was doing the drama. It was only when we'd put on shows in the town and we'd fill up the hall. There'd be people coming from the different parishes and different towns, coming in to see the shows and stuff. And then they'd see you up on the stage with a face full of makeup, dressed like a fucking leprechaun singing a fucking song or whatever, the next time they see you and you go back training, or you're in a fucking match situation, you're in the dressing room, they fucking call you out in front of all the lads, like make you feel like shite. And they give you the ultimatum. You either want to do your drama shite, or you want to do your football. That's how they described it. Your drama shite, or the football. And I just fell out with it, because I really enjoyed both, but the drama never put the pressure on me. And I always was able to be myself at the drama thing. It was a way for me to escape too, because I wasn't getting on really well at home with the da, you know. Didn't really like the da, I still don't really like the da, but at home, any chance I could get away, I got away. And this drama thing was fucking unreal, because it kind of put me in a protective bubble type of thing, to be myself, without being judged. You know, everyone else was there to do the same fucking thing, and you'd be surprised the people that actually went and did the drama as well that never told anyone, and that just wouldn't show up to do a show, because they were worried that someone might fucking see them. And take the piss out of them. Who were actually quite good at what they were doing as well. But it just the shame that was put on you for doing that type of thing as a young lad in a local town like that. Was just enough of a fear to stop a lad from fucking doing a show. And it's such a shame. It really is such a fucking shame. Even me father growing up would call me a pussy for doing the drama stuff and all that. And seeing him at the shows. Like he would come to the shows. Because my mother was part of it as well. And seeing him at the shows. You're just watching him when you were doing stuff. You just knew he felt ashamed of you. You just knew he was kind of, inside he was just feeling, you know, sour. And my older brother and my younger brother showed no interest in it at all, which is fair enough, but it was something that I enjoyed doing and I felt like I had this natural fucking knack for it, but just to, to know that your father had a dislike for you because you did stuff like that, it really affected me and affected the relationship I had with him. Um, I was always seemed as a bit of an outsider. And, you know, it's probably one of the reasons why I never really pursued that type of thing. And I also never really had the avenues to do it. Growing up where I grew up, the circumstances I grew up in, everything was out of my jurisdiction. Everything was out of my reach. I couldn't just go to a show and try and get recognized. Physically couldn't do it. So, and then I had this fucking um, the guilt on top of me that I wasn't uh, pleasing people that I needed to please like me father and stuff so it kind of held me back a little bit as well but I did enjoy it and it is something that I would love to do absolutely would love to get into entertainment in whatever way I could but who knows something could happen something may not happen but we'll keep going as we are anyway the TikTok videos I think they're doing good I think people are liking them some videos don't do so well some people tend to get some of my videos removed which is a fucking shame I'm not out to offend anyone intentionally, and it's just one of those things. Not everyone is going to like you, and that's absolutely fine, that's absolutely wonderful. But to try and tear someone apart just because you don't like what they're doing, or you may have a little bit of jealousy towards them, it's an awful thing to do. An awful thing because it takes someone a lot of work and a lot of effort to, to build a platform like that as much as they have. Like, I've got over 80,000 followers on TikTok now, just people that's have that have got hundreds and thousands, millions, and that's great, but a young fella to come from Dangan, you know, in Offly, who's just out in Australia driving fucking diggers, who talks a little bit of shite on TikTok, makes fucking videos to try and get people to laugh, to have 80,000 followers, in my opinion, in my mind, that is a fucking achievement, and that's something I've fucking worked hard to get. And then you've got people out there who give little to no fuck about absolutely tearing you asunder and taking that away from you because they have some fucking dislike for you. And I think it's wrong. And all these social media platforms as well, they're doing it wrong. They're focusing way too much on the likes of me, the likes of the next person and the next person that's posting the videos. They need to start focusing on the fucking comments and what's being said to people, to creators. You see people on there who have got physical, mental, all kind of disabilities. And the comments that you fucking read on their videos are absolutely diabolical. Diabolical. And nothing is done. The worst things you could say to someone. I have seen a comment on a video. Where someone has told someone. Who has got down syndrome. The world would be better off if they were dead. These things are fucking awful. And why aren't they being monitored. That could fucking end up tipping someone over the edge. You know. And it all comes back down to mental health. Doing the TikTok stuff. You have to be fucking capable. Of taking the licks. You have to be capable of just taking the fucking comments as they come. Early on, I was a fucker. I would react. I would retaliate. I would take offense to everything that was said to me. If I was wearing a fucking red t-shirt and someone said, oh, I like your pink t-shirt, lad. I would have fucking used their comments to make a video, to call them out and say this and say that. And that's what they want. They want you to do that. So when you do that, they report your video. and You get removed. So the thing about it and the most important thing for anyone out there that's listening to this, that is doing the social media, is to just keep your head. Remember, if you've got a lot of people telling you you're doing things right, and you've got a handful of people that are telling you you're doing it wrong in the most malicious way possible, believe those people that are telling you you're doing it right. Because the only reason these people are trying to tear you apart is because they don't like you're doing it right. They don't want you to do it right. All the trades people on TikTok and social media getting tore to shreds by people who have never laid a brick in their fucking lives. Because what they want is for those people to be removed from TikTok because they hate the fact these lads, these women, whoever it is, are able to do what they can fucking do and create a following from it. And it's fucking sad.
1: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
0: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is a part of the podcast where I ask Shane five quickfire questions, he has to give me five quick fire answers. He did it last time, I'm doing it this time. Are you ready? God, you can ask me fucking anything here no? Are you ready? Yeah, go on. Three, two, one. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Uh, Fanta or Club Orange? Uh, Club Orange, actually. Uh, Ash Wednesday or Easter Sunday? What? Wet or dry? What? Dry. Doggy style or missionary? Doggy style. That's good. Do you believe in ghosts? God, I don't know. I, I've had a couple of things happen, but I could have been under the influence, so I can't be too sure. Right, well... I've had a couple of things happen as well, it was kind of the same thing but it happened twice and I can't explain it, fucking can't explain it at all, I've had other things happen but what you can kind of deconstruct and kind of go well yeah that could have happened but one thing in particular, I went to see this fucking median, this psycho reader and it was in London at the time and I was always so sceptical of these fuckers, always, I always just thought they were frauds, out to get your fucking money, tell you everything you want to fucking hear just to get paid. And you see the ones on the telly, those ones fucking crack me up. It's like a whole Dr. Phil show, big studio audience. This fucker with a microphone walks around. I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a man. In today's society, you couldn't be too sure if you'd find one. But that's what he says. He walks around, he says, I'm looking for a man. And then just one fella out of about 80 of them puts his hand up and he walks over and says, I have a gentleman with me now. I have a gentleman with me now. I, that is probably my Uncle Dennis. Probably Dennis. It is. He has just told me that he is your Uncle Dennis. And I believe Dennis is no longer with us right now. No, Jesus, Dennis had an awful doing altogether. Dennis was actually doing the parachuting in Clumbalogue. And as he was falling, before he got to pull the parachute, he was hit by a jumbo jet. Took him straight out of the fucking sky, the poor bastard. Yes, he's, he's after telling me that now. He's after telling me that now. And I have a message for you from your Uncle Dennis. Oh, God. Break it to me gently. You need to go home and turn off the fucking oven, you idiot. You're after leaving it fucking on. God, how did he know? Thanks very much. That's what it's like. It's just pure shite. Like. So y- you never have any belief in it. So the missus went to her a few times because that's where I met the missus when I was in London. She went a few times and she was absolutely convinced this woman was the real deal. Absolutely raved about her. And she was able to tell her stuff that only she could know. The missus is from Australia. Nobody else there knows her. How could this woman know these things? And I thought, fuck it, I'll give it a go. I went in there thinking this is pure shite, I am wasting 50 fucking pound here now. Wasting it, but I just want to prove a point to the missus that this is pure nonsense. So I went in there anyway, and you go in there and her fucking room is just full of all these like symbols and all this, it's fucking strange lads, strange. So you sit down anyway and she's there and she's got these cards and she's flipping them over and Shuffling them and this. It's like a fancy game of poker. Except no one wins any money but her. And I'm sitting there anyway. And you start to feel like this. It's like a a force field comes around you. You feel this kind of lightness. And this energy around you. It's weird. It's so fucking strange. I know some of you are thinking. You're talking pure shite lad. I swear. I swear. So she was going on anyway. And she was fucking able to tell me shit. Nobody knows. Nobody at all. Able to describe people who have died to a fucking T. And who they were in relation to me. Everything she was able to tell me. I was like. How do you know that? I even said to her. How do you know this stuff? And she said. It's in your aura. I'm looking through your aura. God you wouldn't want her to look anywhere else would you? Fuck off. I'm trying to tell a story. But anyway. I'm sitting there. And the weirdest part now. This was a strange thing. Having her tell me all these things. But she kept looking off to the right hand side. And telling someone. To fuck off. Stop. I'm trying to do stuff. She was a Northern Ireland woman herself, so she had no problem swearing. And she's like, fuck off, fuck off, I'm trying to do stuff. And I looked over my shoulder, I'm like, sorry, who are you fucking talking to right now? And she says, oh, it's just Dominic. I said, there's no Dominic there. And she said, there is, I can see him, you obviously can't see him, I can see him. He always comes around when I'm trying to do my readings. He'll sit on that chair over there, and he'll mess. I'm like, what the fuck? So... We wrapped up that reading and I was absolutely blown away by fucking everything that was going on. So the missus convinced me then to go with her and do one together. And we went there together and she was able to do the same thing, tell us different stuff that nobody knew, share stuff with us and tell us stuff that was going to happen to us as we went along. And this is stuff that has actually happened. She was able to tell us what is going to go on in our future in, say, five years seven years, whatever, and this stuff has all happened as she said it was going to happen. Maybe not absolutely picture perfect, but she was able to give us details of things that was going to happen, and they've fucking happened. The thing I found most surprising was is she was able to tell that I needed to use the toilet, and I was giving her nothing, physically giving her nothing to give off the impression I was bullying for a piss. We wrapped up the fucking thing anyway, paid her her money, were absolutely blown away by the stuff she was saying again. And just before we left, the missus said to her, is there any chance I can use your bathroom? And she said, no problem, in you go, it's in there, off you go. And as the missus was in there, she said, when she's finished, you can just go in. I said, no, I'm grand, honest God, I'm grand. And then the missus came out and Marion, you're one, she fucking eyeballed me and kept telling me, it's okay, you can use my toilet, there's nothing in there, I promise, there's nothing in there, please use my toilet. I said, I don't need to go, I'm grand, honest to God, thanks very much for your time, she said, please, you're not going to find a toilet outside, please, just go to the toilet, I know you need to go to the toilet, and I'm standing there, the missus looking at me going, do you need to go to the toilet, I said, no, she said, oh, he's fine, he'll be fine, we got outside, I turned around to the missus, I said, I am absolutely fucking pulling for a piss, pulling for a piss, she said, why the fuck didn't you go in there, I said, fucking Dominic could have been in there wanting to have a fucking wank, like, I don't fucking know." But I wasn't going into her fucking bathroom. There could have been anything in there. She said, I literally just came out of there. I said, yes, I know. But it could be different for me. So I had to go for a piss behind the bus stop. But how she knew that? I don't fucking know. There's a castle in Tullamore that's supposed to be haunted, isn't there? Yeah, Charleville Castle. Have you ever been there? I was there a few times. I stayed there one night, actually. And that was, um, that was weird. I did it with a youth club. There was a U club in, in Dangan. And, um, we, um, we stayed at Charleville Castle one night. Uh, we didn't stay inside in like any of the rooms in the actual castle. We kind of stayed in a common room area where they deemed it to be the safest place. I am kind of convinced that a lot of that stuff there with the knocking on the walls and stuff is um computerized. I could be wrong, but that's just my interpretation of it. But you do feel coldness in certain places you go. So, um and there's no way of for that to actually happen, like. You can't just walk into a room that's suddenly lower in temperature and feel this almighty chill up your back. That's something that can't be done with fucking fans or air conditionings or fucking freezers or anything like that. That is something that is happening and you can't explain it. But they also do this thing where um you walk into a room, say like the library or something, and you sit down around this fucking table. You have to stand around because there's not enough chairs. And they'll do this thing saying, oh, if there's anyone in the room, can you give us a sign? Nothing will happen. And you're like, the ghosts are out running around in the forest, I suppose. And then they'll say it again. And all of a sudden, underneath your foot, whoever's sitting on the chair, feels this kind of pressure. And you hear this knock. But the floors themselves are stone. The walls are stone. But the knock sounds like it's come from a piece of timber. And it kind of just echoes. So it could be like a speaker. But again, like I said, the, the sudden chills in your back and the feeling of stuff touching you. You do feel like a hand has touched your shoulder as you're walking through a place and you feel something pull you back sometimes. And It could be all in your head too, but there is some moments where you're kind of like, fuck, I have just fucking felt something, mammy. You know, so I don't know. I'm skeptical a bit, but I can't explain the psycho reader. Can't explain her. She is a fucking puzzle now. I'd say there's loads of ghost stories in all the towns in Ireland lad, the one that we grew up with now was the headless horseman and he was to come out of the graveyard every fucking night after nine o'clock and he'd gallop from the graveyard on the horse all the way down to the church and they were on both ends of the town and he'd do this for half an hour this was the story so in Dangan the graveyard is situated up the top end of the town up near where I lived and so say you're heading for uh, Croton, Turl's Pass Road out towards Westmead from Dangan that's where the graveyard is And then the church is down the fucking very far end, opposite the school. So if you keep heading on out past the church, you'd head towards fucking Walsh Island, Port Arlington, Port Leash, you can get into Mount Melick, all that type of thing. So this fella was to come out of the grave at nine o'clock and just gallop up and down the fucking town for a half hour. And we were convinced this was real because there was even a certain grave he was coming out of. And the older kids were telling us that it was so many graves in from the corner of the road. And in so many graves, in from the football field wall. So if you counted them correctly, you would come upon a grave that had loads of holes in it. Now the reason the holes was in it is because the ground itself wasn't compacted properly. But being kids, you know, whatever you were, seven, eight, nine, you were convinced that this is this has to be where this headless horseman comes out. We went up there one evening at about half six, just before it started to get too dark. Street lights were on; it was getting quite dim. And we were all up there, There about eight of us, standing around this grave, absolutely shitting ourselves because we found the grave where the headless horseman comes out of. And we were told, if you're dead silent in your house, your man dar gone to bed, if you look out the window past nine o'clock, you're in darkness in the sitting room, you will get a glimpse of him, go past the house, if you lived on that stretch, you would get a glimpse, and I lived on that stretch, never saw him, never fucking saw him, but we were fucking convinced as kids that this was the thing. So growing up then, would you have spent much time running around the town and kicking a football with the lads and stuff in the different estates and all that kind of stuff? Oh oh yeah, we did loads of that. We used to play loads of uh, soccer and stuff on the greens in the different estates, you know, on the volley. Heads and volleys. One touch. World Cup. Red Arse. You know, that was a fucking sore one. And then we also did loads of stuff like out on the road and all that, you know. Curbs. Okay, explain curbs to people that have never heard of that. Uh, So curbs... It's also called Kirby I believe in different towns but we always thought that that was a girl's name so we just kept it as curbs and what it is is you've got two people that play and they stand each side of the road on the footpath. You usually pick the busiest road you can find just to piss off the cars and the aim of the game is to throw the ball from your side of the road to the other side and try and hit the curb and if you hit the curb you then get to take a step forward onto the road and then you get to throw it from there. And if you hit it again, take another step forward, throw it from there, hit it again, and the first person to touch the other person's curb with their feet is the winner, is the fucking champion. Okay. So then there would have been other ones like, uh, tip the can and that. I tip the can, 40-40, manhunt, you know, headbuster. Headbuster. Yeah, we didn't play that one too often. That was one that, um, you could get violent on it. And people didn't like to play that one. So we, I think we did that one a couple of times. And a lot of lads and girls went home crying and stuff. So we just stuck with the, the tip to the can and the forty forty and the manhunt one. And they're all just kind of kinda the same thing really. You know, just with different kind of rules. One one, you have to touch on one of them. The other one, you have to run back and tip the wall that you started off at and say, tip to can, I see Peter. You know, and there was no boundaries. There was no limits to where you could hide in the town. So. If we started off up at the top of the town up near where the graveyard was or the football field you could fucking you could hide down in the fucking church like you could hide down in the school. These went on for hours. Sometimes we didn't even get a chance to go and look for certain people. I wonder are they still there? The old games in the school were tough as well weren't they? Oh the Red Rover. Oh fuck lad. Red Rover I think is banned everywhere you go now. Uh, the, The young ones today they wouldn't be capable for it anyway. Red Rover if I can describe it is pure violence. Pure violence. And if you're signing up to play Red Rover, you are signing up to be hit. Regardless of who you are, how old you are, what gender you are, or how fucking big you are. Doesn't make a fucking difference. You are signing up to be hit, and to be hit hard. So the way Red Rover works is, I'm going to explain it, you've got two teams, facing each other, they're all stood in a line, linked by hands. It's not gay at all, it's pure violence. It's not gay. So, one team will call over someone from the other team. So they'll say, Red Rover, Red Rover. We call Ryan over. So it's Ryan's job, fucking my job, to try and break through the arms of someone on that other team. And I always pick out the biggest ones. No, people always pick out the smallest fellas to run through. I was always getting fucking broke up at that game. I remember a fella, his name is David Kennedy. He's a, he's a big lad now. And he was always kind of a bigger lad in school as well. Tall and just solid. He fucking mangled me every time we played. And he was younger as well. He was in the class below. He was just such a big lad, such force behind him. He'd fucking mangle you. But the game itself had to be stopped because of all these injuries that people were getting. If you managed to break through on the other side, you just came around and joined your team again. But if they kept holding you and you didn't get to break their link, you didn't have to join onto their team. And it was the team with the most numbers at the end when the bell rang, because you never got to finish a game, because there was so many people playing it, you never got to finish it, but the one with the most amount of players on their team, were the winners, but there was times where fellas had run absolute full tilt, and the ones that were holding the arms, would get afraid, and let go, so your man is ready for this resistance, but nothing happens, he keeps going, and I've seen fellas go straight out over the small walls in the primary school, because a lot of time the primary schools have really low fucking set walls. And the speed they're travelling and because there was no resistance that they were expecting, they just keep going and shoot straight out over the wall, onto the footpath, out onto the fucking main road and a few people split their heads open and there was a the thing that had to be stopped. We also played a game called Bulldog in school. Bulldog was fucking legalised murder lad. It was, it was very violent but it was good fun. We had some good fun with him, And the way it worked was it was very different to that of Red Rover where you didn't single out one person individually. You had the two teams, and then one team's job was to try and run around the other team and get to the safe zone behind them. And then the other team's job was to just kill lads. You you just kill them. Do whatever you have to do to stop that body from moving forward anymore. You put whatever strength and power you have into that shot, and if that person dies, like you said, legalized murder, school day goes on. And it was fucking great crack. But there was one fella, see the thing about these: if you were able to make it around to the safe zone, you then had another go. But if you were taken out and you managed to survive, you then had to join the killers to try and kill the other ones. And there was one fella in our school, his name was John Daly. He was lightning fast, never could be caught. He was never ever caught, never, in any of the games. He was so fast, so agile and he had a lot of power because he was so fast. It through every time on the Red Rover, no matter who he was aiming for. And he was always able to get past the lads who were wanting to kill him at the Bulldog. Fair play to him. <laughs> I think we did a better job today now with the podcast, lad. What do you reckon? I, I think so. I think we're getting a little bit more comfortable with it. And like you said, as we go, it's just going to get better and better. You know, the first one was very awkward because it is quite strange, really, if you think about it. A grown man sat in his kitchen on his own uh, talking to himself as two people. It- it's fucked up. It's fucked up. So we're only going to get more comfortable with it. And with the help of the fans, obviously giving us stories to tell on their part, whether it's ghost stories or stories related to the school games that we've just talked about, please send in your stories through the email, thediggerdad at gmail.com or through the Instagram messages, thediggerdad. No problem at all. We'll get it going. Uh, Have you got anything else to add to the podcast before we finish? I just want to talk about the mask. The mask that a lot of people wear. The mask that shows the world I'm grand. I'm fine. I'm sweet. I'm happy out. Whereas behind the mask, you're probably feeling like shite. You're probably feeling the pressure. You're feeling the weight. You can't cope. You've had enough. The thing about it, looking at you, we can only see the mask. So we can only assume that everything is okay. We assume you're fine. We assume you're happy. We can't help but assume that. It's what you're showing us. You need to find the courage inside. However you have to do it. Let go of whatever pride that's holding you back. To reach out to the people that know you. To the people that care about you. And tell them, look, I'm not fine here. I'm not well. I'm not able to cope with this anymore. I need help. Whatever way you have to do it. Even if you have to try and tell yourself record yourself saying it, play it back to yourself until you feel confident enough to fucking say it out loud. Anything at all, I promise you, it will help you. And this time you're in, it is going to pass. It's not going to be forever. But if you can get yourself out of that as quick as you can and learn to start talking, you're going to keep talking. And I really think more people need to take that on board and fucking use it. We're losing too many people to mental health. Too many people to holding stuff in. Whereas they could just fucking let us know and we would help whatever way we could, we would help there's nothing There's nothing you could say that'd be much worse if you were to leave. There's nothing mark my words, there's nothing you could ever tell your mother that would be more devastating than her waking up knowing that she's never going to see you again, or your wife or your kids, whatever it may be. Powerful stuff. I, I've got stuff as well. I, I spent a bit of time now writing stuff down last night. This is all my own work. I didn't take this off anybody. But I thought now saying what you've just said is the appropriate time to share this with the group. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. We've known each other for so long. Your heart's been aching, but you're too shy to say it. Inside, we both know what's been going on. We know the game. We're going to play it. And if you ask me how I'm feeling, don't tell me you're too blind to see. Never going to give you up never gonna let you down I'm never going to run around and desert you I'm never going to make you cry I never want to say goodbye I'm never gonna tell a lie and hurt you Sounds awful like Rick Astley that Does it? I that all just came to my head free ball last night Okay so we'll end it there now lads and we hope you enjoyed the podcast and please get in touch talk about whatever topics you want Take it easy All the best Bye